Got it. Good. So, uh, yeah, our talk tonight is uh, titled Sheep in the Midst of Wolves, uh, about lay apostles specifically in the secular age and in a very kind of secular world and secular culture. And what the apostolate of the lay faithful uh, should look like in the midst of that secular world and secular culture. So the first uh, thing we should look at is the fact that there's a need for lay apostolate. There's a real need for the apostolate of the lady. Now, that need, uh, we can first look at it from the opposition, namely that those who are trying to promote a culture of death, a culture of um, trying to promote different forms of sin, those who are, there, there's a real, the secularity living in the world in and of itself isn't bad. But when secularity is turned as an agent against the church, and when that secular life is turned as a way of a rejection of God, and not just living in the midst of the world, that is bad. Uh, and that there are those who are really working, and they're working uh, intentionally, and there's a lot of money behind it, trying to uh, go against the message of the gospel. And so there's a need that it's not just a handful of people. There's a lot of individuals and money behind trying to distort uh, who we are created to be in the image of God. And so we really have to seek uh, to do apostolate in the midst of the world. And in our modern world, cultural Catholicism is no longer sufficient. We don't have a culture for cultural Catholicism. The culture itself and the virtue of the culture won't support cultural Catholicism. And that if we just think that our churches are going to grow by culture. Just, it's because that's how it always goes. It doesn't work that way anymore. We just can't do that. We can't rely on it. We can't rely on it. There's going to be more and more people in our churches because they move to the neighborhood and they're already Catholic and they're going to look for us and we can even make it difficult for them to get in because we, you know, supply and demand. Uh, we can't anticipate that just the families that we have are going to physically reproduce and that the reproduction of children will lead to more people in our pews. And again, because the culture um, against the church is so strong, we can't even rely on the fact that those who are raised Catholic stay Catholic. We can't rely on the fact that those who go to Catholic schools and go to religious education and receive their sacraments of initiation um, are going to stay Catholic and that they're going to continue to have a relationship with our Lord and live a life of real canonizable holiness. We can't rely on cultural Catholicism. We can't just rely that the mechanism of church life and parish life is going to work and it's just going to keep the machine going and that all we have to do is show up on a Sunday or show up to a church event and somehow that's going to continue the life of the church for generations to come. It won't. It's not going to happen that way. We can't rely on the fact that if we just have really good first communion classes in our parish, and we have a really good confirmation program, um, that that's going to work. And somehow the church is going to grow, uh, or at least not crash as quickly, if we just have those good programs, right? When I was at a different parish, we put a lot of effort into... Uh, having a really good confirmation program, like a really good confirmation program. We had a bunch of kids and we put a lot of effort into it. 
And I'll tell you, even with that great program, the kids that were going to Mass before were the ones who went to Mass after. Like, you put a lot of effort into programs, and things just don't change. Uh, so, cultural Catholicism, and just trying to prop up cultural Catholicism, it just doesn't work. Um, that we don't have enough numbers to do that, and the depth of encounter with our Lord in cultural Catholicism, it just, it's, it's in, you're not getting the right amount of depth. And now as well, that we have an imperative. Our Lord tells us we have to go and make disciples, right? That there's a need to do apostolate because God himself tells us that you have to do this. Each and every one of us needs to do apostolate. Each and every one of us needs to really feel that co-responsibility for the spread of the gospel and the life of the church. And that is exactly the attitude that we should have. An attitude of real co-responsibility. Does each and every one of us, as baptized members of the church of God, if we're baptized, as adopted sons and daughters of God the Father, do we feel that we are actually co-responsible for the life of the church and the spread of the gospel with our Lord? When you look at the parable of the talents, um, I was just reading some really good articles that talked about the parable of the talents. And when the master entrusts the talents to his servants, he, um, you know, to one he gives five, to another he gives two, and to a third he gives one. And they need to go and trade with these, right? And they get right to work. You gave me five talents. But the sense is that those who received the talents felt um, responsible with it. They felt that like, this, my master gave this to me and I need to do something with it, right? So the one who got five went right away and worked and made five more. The one who got two went right away and worked and made two more. But the one who got one just went and he buried it in the sand. Now, I was actually thinking about this because unfortunately, you know, a lot of the work of our parishes right now, and a lot of priests, look, to bury the dead is a work of mercy, right? You have to bury the dead. But how many of our churches spend the majority of their time just doing funerals, right? Most priests, if you ask most parish priests, at least in the state of Connecticut, what do they spend the majority of their time doing? Spreading the gospel, doing apostolate, going out and meeting people. No, what do we do? Funerals, right? We are literally devoting most of our effort to burying the faithful members of the church after they die, hopefully not alive. But, you know, that's lit literally, we're spending most of our time burying. <laughs> we hear that the person who got one talent just went and buried it. He buried it in the sand, buried it in the ground. Now, um, what happens when the master comes back? Uh, what does he say when he gives him back that one talent? He says something that the other two don't. He says, I know you were demanding, here, take what's yours. I'm giving you back what's yours. The others are, master, you gave me five talents, I made five more. Like, you gave this to me, and I did something with it. You gave me two talents, I made two more. The third, here, take it back. It was yours. It was never mine to begin with. 
What's our attitude with regard to the gospel and to the life of the church? Do I see that, oh no, you know what? This, this is Jesus' church and my only goal is to just give it back to him, right? Try not to break anything while I have it, but I'm just gonna give it back to him one day because that's not mine. And I have no responsibility for the church. I have no responsibility for the spread of the gospel. So my goal is just to try to not break things while I'm here, to just get by and to just be part of the crowd. That doesn't work. That is not the gospel. We have to feel co-responsible because we are. We are responsible. Each and every one of us on account of our baptism are responsible for the spread of the gospel. Every single, it's our church. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ that he has handed on to us to do something with it. Not just to hang on to it and not, it doesn't end just in us. Rather, we have to be sharing it and working with it so that ultimately it grows. And so that when our Lord comes back and when we stand face to face with him one day, Master, you gave me these graces in my life. You put these people in my life that spread your message to me. And now look, I made five, 10, 20 more, 30 more through my works of apostolate. I went out and took what I've received and I've worked with it. I've done something with it. The only way the church will grow and that there'll be an active and thriving church in 20, 30, 40 years in the state of Connecticut is if we see that we are co-responsible with Christ for the spread of the gospel and that each and every one of us has to do apostolate. It's not a matter of if, if we feel like it, it's not a matter of I'm not trained or equipped to do that. We'll get to that in a second. That we have to be the ones to do this work of apostolate uh, and do it immediately, right? We have to go right away. We hear that the one who received five talents immediately went and did it. No, you know, next week, right? Oh, after it gets cold. You know, no, we're settling into a school year now. We're just kind of starting stuff up. You know, oh, there's a lot of stuff going on. I don't know. This may not be the best time to do apostolate. Um, who knows? Like, no, immediately, today, before the end of the day, hopefully each and every one of us will see our, our need to do apostolate and we're going to enter into it. Now, um, preparation. So how do we prepare uh, to do apostolate? So we understand that there's a, the need. Our attitude is one of co-responsibility. And so if we're going to do apostolate, we have to be prepared. We have, to be, we have to see that I have to do something, I better learn how to do it, right? If I got a call tomorrow from Archbishop Blair and said, Father Casey, we're sending you to a parish uh, where most of the ministry is in Spanish. Like, okay, I can speak a little bit of Spanish and, and maybe a little, you know, with a little bit of pride, but like, I wanna be prepared, so what am I? I'm gonna say, well, could I have, you know, a couple weeks? To, to go somewhere and learn Spanish a little bit better if 90% of my ministry in the future is going to be in Spanish. Like, I want to be prepared for this. Here's a, a task that's entrusted to me. I need to be prepared. Preparation for apostolate is what we call formation. So therefore, if we have been charged by our Lord to do apostolate, then we each need and should see deeply the need to have formation, to receive formation. 
We have to be formed in the gospel. We have to know our Lord. Now, what's the first means of formation is prayer. Who is our primary formator? The Holy Spirit. If you want to be prepared to introduce people to our Lord, then get to know our Lord, right? Go talk to him about it. Prayer is, is the primary means of formation. Uh, and also, spoiler warning for a little bit later, prayer is also the primary means of apostolate, right? So uh, prayer, it's the most important thing. If we really want to be formed, uh, we need interior life, right? There's a principle, uh, it's just a maxim of, of reality, nemo dot quod non habiat. You can't give what you don't have. If you don't have a relationship with our Lord, you can't give it, right? If you don't know our Lord, you definitely can't introduce people to him. Uh, if you don't love the Catholic faith and seek to, to know the Catholic faith more and more, you're not going to be able to share it with anyone. So the first thing we should see is that our preparation for doing apostolate, which is a real necessity for each and every one of us, is we need formation. And that formation starts with prayer. Each and every one of us should devote time every day um, to personal, individual prayer, mental prayer, the one-on-one -on -one conversation with our Lord that St. Teresa talks about, just one friend talking to another, that we need to just talk to our Lord. We should encounter our Lord in the scriptures. We should try to read, like we should actually know the gospel stories, right? We should do good spiritual reading, uh, read and learn about the lives of the saints, uh, learn from spiritual masters, just, just go in and dive into the depths of that. Also, part of our formation, we need doctrinal formation. We need to know good theology, right? We need to be, um, St. Jose Maria Escriva uh, would say that um, men are like fish. You catch them with the head, right? You catch them at the head. So we need to know how to intellectually present the truth of our faith. And so we need to study theology and we need to do our best to learn good doctrine. And a, a caution I would say about this is that we need to be sure that we're being formed from the right sources, right? We need to be sure that we're actually being formed by true teachers. Uh, and so uh, the first of my hot takes for tonight, uh, I'm not sure how many I'll have, but we'll see what happens, is that you know who's not a good former of theology? Social media. <laughs> like, right, if your formation in the Catholic faith comes from who you follow on Facebook, and it's just like, oh yeah, someone posted, look, articles are nice. I like reading articles on Facebook. I find a lot of nice things on that. But like, that can't be our primary means of formation. Let me just see what's on social media. Let's see what the, what the algorithm put for me to click on. And that's how I'm, no, go read a book, right? Like, read an actual book. Read a book of theology. I'm reading a really good book, and I'm running a class with it at my parish in New Britain, um, The Light of Christ by Father Thomas Joseph White. It's an awesome just introduction to Catholicism, an introduction to theology. It's so good. Light of Christ by Father Thomas Joseph White is a, is a great resource, right? Good theology. Like, learn good theology. Find good authors. Read them. Find real articles on theology and theological topics. Read those. Read even the people that disagree with those and read it all from a good perspective. Another good book to read in that for good formation and intellectual formation is the book by Mortimer Adler and um, I can't remember, uh, the guy who cheated on the game show. Um, anyway, How to Read a Book, right? It's just the book called How to Read a Book. If you haven't read the book How to Read a Book, 
You should read it. Uh, it's very good. For how do you read and actually engage a text? How do you actually, you know, one of the things they say is you should write in your books because uh, you're engaging in conversation with the author, right? And so if you're, if you're writing, you're making notes in the book, you're actively reading. That's what we should do when we read theology. We actively engage. We need to be formed in the doctrine of the church. We have to do apostolate. And so we need this formation. And so if we don't see, like, we're go, we got to go out and do it anyway. Let's be as prepared as we can. If, if I wanted to walk into a parish where I have to speak Spanish 90% of the time, and like, are you going to practice? No, nah, whatever. <laughs> I did Duolingo for a day or two. That should be enough to run a parish in Spanish. No, that's ridiculous, right? Well, all, it's more ridiculous if we think that we're actually going to go and spread the gospel in any meaningful way and not be devoting time to our personal formation, not devoting time to prayer, and to study. We have to do both of them. And so let's see that as uh, what we need, the necessary preparation for doing apostolate. Okay, the next point is a bit of a scope of what our apostolate should look like. So we have um, the necessity, we have to do apostolate. We have the attitude that we're co-responsible with Christ. We have our uh, preparation, which is the time get dedicated formation. Now we want the scope. What's the scope of our apostolate? What is specifically lay apostolate in the middle of the world look like? The lay faithful, um, according to the teaching of the Vatican, Second Vatican Council, which gave a positive definition of the laity, rather than just saying, who are lay people? Well, if you're not a priest or religious, then you're a lay person, right? It's everybody else. Um, you're defined negatively by who you're not, right? No, no, no. The lay faithful are those who are called to sanctify the world from within. Living in the midst of the world, you as the lay faithful sanctify the world from within. Now, when we, when we talk about lay apostolate, right, the apostolate of the lay faithful in the middle of the world, very specifically, we're talking about an apostolate, um, which is, there's confusion about this, right? So in the, like the 1930s, probably 20s, 30s, during the pontificate of Pope Pius XI, something was uh, started, which is Catholic action. And there was a good promotion of Catholic action. What's Catholic action? It's the lay faithful assisting in the mission of the hierarchy, right? So every time we have the laity involved in some mission of priests and religious, that is a form of Catholic action, particularly in helping the works of the archbishop or the bishop of any diocese, right? The lay faithful kind of participating in or cooperating in um, the works of the hierarchy. That is not what we're talking about tonight, right? And unfortunately, when we talk about lay apostolate, often we go to that. How am I going to do lay apostolate? Dang it, I'm going to be a Eucharistic minister, right? That, that's it. That's, that's my apostolate. I'm a, I'm a lector at Mass, right? That, look, we need people to read at Mass. We need people to help with the distribution of communion when necessary. Great, right? That's all very good stuff. You know what? I want to do lay, I'm called to do lay apostolate. I'm going to go work for the Archdiocese of Hartford. <laughs> like, great, I, okay, we love that people work for the Archdiocese of Hartford. But that is not primarily your lay apostolate, right? That's, that is a form of Catholic action, which is good. Catholic action, participate, helping the work of the bishop. Look, at my parish in New Britain, and I'm the chaplain at Central Connecticut State University, we have three focused missionaries. 
Focus is a form of a modern form of Catholic action. Why? Because the Archbishop of Hartford asked Focus to send missionaries to Central Connecticut State University. So the missionaries that are serving at our campus are supporting the work of the bishop. They're there at his invitation, and they're basically doing what's his job, but he uh, is in charge of entire archdiocese. So they support his mission. Um, and then, I mean, in a, in a hierarchical way, I support his mission. I'm a pastor of a parish designated by the archbishop, right? Father Joachim is assigned to St. Mary's and St. Uh, Joseph's Parish um, at, by an appointment from the archbishop, um, even though he's a religious, right? He, it support, the, the order of preachers is beautifully supporting the work of the archbishop, particularly here in the city of New Haven. And that this is, that's, that's good. That's not what we're talking about. And it's very important that we see that. Because our form of lay apostolate and what we're called to is not primarily um, we need to go ask the archbishop if we can do something. No. Who does your call to apostolate come from? Our Lord. Jesus Christ directly. You are sent on mission because of your baptism. Not because the archbishop asks you to do something. If he does, great. Nice. Think you should do it right but primarily your personal apostolate comes from your relationship with our lord and that's where we get into the difference between corporate and personal apostolate right corporate apostolates are let you know we we start a group and groups are good um and they could flow from personal apostolate but they don't replace it right frasati is a good group it's it would, we could call it a corporate apostolate, right? It's a group apostolate. Um, that does, being part of that doesn't get us off the hook for personal apostolate. Uh, and so when we talk about lay apostolate, the apostle of the lay faithful, it's not, I need to write to the archbishop and ask for permission to start a Bible study. No, just go start one, right? Um, I need to, you know, I want to talk to my pastor. And what we, we need to start another church group. No, please. Don't start more church groups, right? <laughs> just go do something, right? It's not about just starting more and more and more groups. I have people come to me all the time like, Father, can we start this group at the parish? I'm like, why don't you just go start that group at your home? That sounds like a great group. Sounds like a great idea. Just go. You don't need my permission. You have permission directly from God himself to go do that. You don't need my permission, right? You don't need me to do it. You don't need the church and the parish to say, hey, start a Bible study, right? Again, if I ask you, if you were a parishioner at St. Francis, can you, can you help lead a Bible study for this group that we want to do? Great. You would be cooperating in the mission of the hierarchy, and that's a good thing, and we love that. But it doesn't mean if someone doesn't ask you to start something that you shouldn't do it, right? So corporate versus personal apostle. We are each called to personal apostle. I would say even as a priest... Um, I have my pastoral duties, right? I have the mission that's been entrusted to me by the archbishop. But I also have, on account of my baptism, my own personal apostle. And so there's people that I reach out to uh, and that I, I work in an apostolic way with um, that's not specifically under the scope of my assignment as pastor of St. Francis in New Britain and chaplain at Central Connecticut State University and director of vocations for the Archdiocese of Hartford. That's a big scope, right? I can fit a lot of people under that. But, um, you know, just 
my relationship with my family, right? They're not necessarily my parishioners, but just in how I try to spread the gospel to them through being a good member of the family. That's personal apostle. My relationship with my brother priests uh, and how, how that relationship, how we help each other grow closer to Christ. That's personal apostle. So even priests should be doing personal apostle. It's not like, oh, you know what? My job is to preach the gospel. So when I'm hot in my church, don't expect me to do it because it's my time off, right? <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, that we do this, this personal apostolate right in the middle of the world. Um, and so this is what you need. See this as it really is coming um, from our Lord on account of your baptism, that that is right in the middle of the world that we, um, we do this. And that we should see our lay apostle. I'm going to read a quote here um, from uh, the uh, spiritual author Tertullian about who the lay faithful in the middle of the world are. Tertullian writes, So we sojourn with you in the world, abjuring neither forum, nor shambles, nor bath, nor booth, nor workshop, nor inn, nor weekly market, nor any other place of commerce. We sail with you and serve in the army with you and till the ground with you. And in like manner, we unite with you in your trading, even in the various arts. We make public property of our works for your benefit. Right? Who are the lay faithful? Right in the middle of the world. And we see this in the life of the early Christians, where they weren't supported by cultural Catholicism. So how did they live it? Right in the middle of the world. And they lived it by being side by side with the rest of the citizens of the world. And so we, um, we have to see that that's who we are as the lay faithful. How oh, you are as a lay faithful. I'm a member of the, of the hierarchy of the clergy, right? Father Joachim's a religious. We live this in a different way. We're going to come back to that in a second. Um, but how, as the lay faithful, how do you live this? Right in the middle of the world. You're called. You're sent by our Lord on account of your baptism to do apostolate. Uh, and so, all right, now we've got the need uh, that we have to do apostolate. We have got the attitude that we are co-responsible with Christ. We've got the preparation that we need to take seriously, um, a need for formation. Um, we've got the scope of our apostolate, that it's lay apostolate, um, from, on a, arising from our baptism, right in the middle of the world. So now let's get to how, right? The nuts and bolts. How do we do it? And what did I say was going to be the first point for how? What's the first means of apostolate? Prayer. We pray, right? We should pray for people. We should pray for the people that we um, encounter every day. We pray, like, imagine, you, you are the person at Dunkin' Donuts that I see every time I go in there. I, I like, I prefer Dunkin' to some other coffees, but, like, you know, we, um, <laughs> for Sadi on Tap, sponsored by Dunkin' Donuts, right? <laughs> if the, if the, Patriots, the Patriots won today, so I think you get, like, some free $2 coffee tomorrow, whatever. Who knows? Uh, anyway, um, that we have... Um, I forgot where I was going. Oh, yeah. Uh, the person that takes my order at Dunkin' Donuts, that like, hey, they don't even need to know it, but like, I'm praying for that person. Like, I, I'm praying for them. Um, and, and this person that, that, you know, I just see around, I'm praying for them. I'm praying for that person and that person and that person. Going back to uh, St. Jose Maria Escriva, talked about doing a, um, an hour of study. Um, but it was, it was like... Um, he called it a, like a barrage, like I'm going to go um, uh, 
attack the, the fortress on the other side, which is the person just studying on the other side of the table, by praying for them while I'm studying. So whoever just happens to be on the other side of the library table studying just across from me, well, I'm praying for that person. Just praying for them. Just simple, normal, not making a big show of it. Just praying for them. That, that we pray for those, um, for people around us. And that that's our first kind of means of apostolate, that we pray for them. Uh, I've recommended a few different books. Um, uh, a huge one that you should definitely read with regard to this is The Soul of the Apostolate, right? The Soul of the Apostolate. Um, to read about how, um, what, what is, what is the, the foundation of all of our apostolate and what's our first step of apostolate? Prayer. That we, we pray for people, right? And that that's it. That's, if we're not souls of prayer, then our apostolate is going to be um, totally useless and it's going to bear no fruit. Or if it does bear fruit, it'll be a fruit that looks like a cultural Catholicism and won't have the depth of its stability to carry the church on. Uh, but in the soul of the apostle, and I remember this should also be not just um, our first means, but it should be our goal. Um, we'll come back to that as a, as a final point. Um, okay, so first means prayer, right? Where we're praying for people. Another thing is kind of part of that, what do we call prayer of the senses? We call small sacrifices or mortifications, right? That we can make little sacrifices for people. And that's just the prayer of the senses, right? I could, I could pray, you know, intellectually. I could, I could pray conversationally, talking to our Lord. But prayer of the senses is like, yeah, you know what? I'm giving this up today. Like little things that no one's ever going to see. But I'm doing them specifically for someone else. Specifically so this person can, can meet our Lord and can be open to the gospel. I like salt and pepper on my food. I like salt on my food. I hate pepper a little bit. But mainly salt, right? But okay, that meal, I'm not going to have any salt. I'm not going to add any salt to anything that, that I eat. Um, and I'm going to do that for, you know, that purse of Dunkin' Donuts. Just, just a small little sacrifice offered for them. So effective. Someone came to St. John Vianney one time, a priest, and said, like, how do I, my parish isn't like your parish. Like, my people, how do I get my people to be like your people and to be so committed and devoted? He's like, have you fasted for them? Like, have you, have you really, like, offered sacrifice for them in that way? Uh, and so that should be a good question that we could ask. Like, have, have we really offered sacrifices for the people uh, with whom we do apostolate, right? To those that we need to spread the gospel. We pray for them, but then do we offer these little, sat just little things, right? Um, just another personal anecdote. I can't stand mayonnaise, right? I, mayonnaise is like the worst. Like, I, I, you put mayonnaise on something, you serve me. Uh, I just, ugh, this is so gross. Like, I'm going to fight to eat it. But if someone, you know, hands me, Father, you know, thanks for coming over, made you this sandwich, and it's just loaded with mayo. Like, first of all, I'm like, oh, man, can I get out of here really quick? <laughs> oh, sorry, yeah, I just ate. Uh, no, but, um, no, instead, you know it's better? I'm going to eat it. I'm going to eat all that mayo. I'm not going to let any of it fall out, or if it doesn't, I'm going to scoop it up with a little bit of the bread, and I'm going to offer it for somebody. That's a, that's a, a penance that I didn't, I didn't choose. I didn't pick. I would have never put mayonnaise on a sandwich, but I'm going to offer it for this person. The first means of doing apostolate is that we, we pray for people and that even that prayer of the senses, which is offering small sacrifices, mortifications. Great. The second is that we should start with being good at what we do, right? Be good at what you do. So if you're a student, be a good student. If you're a member of your family, be a good member of your family. Right? If you have household responsibilities, do them well. Uh, if you, whatever your, your work is, do that well. 
do it, do it really well, right? Um, a means of personal apostle is that we're just good at, how the heck is anybody going to trust us about Jesus Christ if they can't trust me to clean up my dirty dishes in the sink, right? Or like, oh, that person, um, they, they, they never show up on time for class. They don't do any of the assignments. They're probably going to, you know, flunk out. Um, and they want to try to tell me that they have something to offer me um, about how to live better, right? Really? Um, be good at what we do. Like we, and we have to see it as an act of love that I want to be really good at the different things that I do. I use the example frequently of a, um, a car mechanic, right? What, uh, if, you own, if you own an auto body shop and you want to do personal apostolate, it, it does not mean playing praise and worship music in the, in the shop and having posters all over the place and a lot of signs and giving a Bible to everyone that walks in. No, what does it mean? Do good work. <laughs> Don't rip people off, right? Be a dependable, good mechanic. Be good at it. Now, this is where I want to get into the fact that part of it is just being good at working in the middle of the world. And that we don't have to do all this show-off type stuff, right? Part of doing our apostolate is, look, I just know that you're the person that's there. You're dependable. I can trust you. You're honest, right? You have all the natural virtues. And that's a good thing. There are people that have a, a kind of requirement almost to, to show off, to not, to not really just blend in just like everyone else. Um, and that is uh, the priest and religious, right? That like Father Joe Kim is wearing a very distinctive outfit right now, right? You could pick him up. Look, so, so am I, right? We're different colors, but we're both like we wear distinctive things. People can pick us out of a crowd. Like, we are walking bill, we're walking posters for talk to us about our Lord, right? Um, do you have a rosary on there? Yeah, like, he's got a ginormous rosary, right? Ask that guy about the rosary. Uh, that's it, like, that's good. That's the role of religious uh, and priests in the midst of the world. To be a witness, more religious than, than priests. To be a witness, it's just in the midst of the world. To be that sign value. That you see Father Joachim and you, you realize we don't live just for this world. He's walking testimony to the fact that we live for Christ and ultimately our homeland is in heaven. Me too. I'm dressed in something that looks like death, right? But that's what it's supposed to be. Die to the world, right? I'm dressed all in black, head to toe, die to the world, right? We, we die to the world. We, we've died and our life is hidden with Christ and God. If you all started dressing like me, that'd be weird, first of all. That'd be really weird, right? Um, lay apostolate. Another hot take. Don't be weird, <laughs> right? That's just, that's just a great thing. Like, be good. Be good at what you do. But, like, leave, leave the weird to us. We, and, uh, we, we don't, we're not weird when we do it. But anyway, and the point is, like, just be good at it, right? It's not about owning an auto body shop and having religious medals hanging all over the place and religious posters and playing praise and worship really loud, you know, over, over the auto body work. No, just be a good mechanic. <laughs> be good at what you do. Be that dependable person. Oh, and then I see that mechanic walking into church. We have a mechanic in my city, and he's actually exactly this. He's the type of person I just, I know I can trust. He's not going to rip me off. And then you see him walking into church on Sunday. You're like, oh, that guy goes to church, right? Oh, he doesn't just go on Sunday. He goes every day. Like, before opening the, the shop, he goes to Mass every day. 
He's been praying for me because I go there regularly. Like, wow, that's incredible. That's personal apostolate. That's the apostle of the lay faithful. Being dependable, being reliable, doing those types of things. Um, this is what John the Baptist, when they come to John the Baptist at the beginning of the Gospel of Luke, and they're like, what do we do? Well, tax collectors, don't charge more than you're supposed to charge. Like, okay, soldiers, uh, stop, you know, extorting people. <laughs> oh, it's that simple? Yes, it's that simple. Students, study hard, do well, be reliable, be someone people could ask for help if they, if they need help in a class. Working, working in uh, retail, be pleasant, be cheerful, have a smile, be good at it. Know, know your job, know it well. Really try to, to do it very, very well. In your family, you know, be the good son, daughter, father or mother, you know, husband, wife, the whole thing. Do it well, do it out of love, right? That, that's, be really good at it. I've got, I've got a really good sister, right? Because she loves our Lord. And I just know I can rely on her as a member of my family. Awesome. Praise God. That's what we want. Okay. Um, the next how. So we, um, I'm going to stop going through this. Anyway, the next how is friendship. So after we pray and we're good at what we do, friendship. Now, here's the thing. Okay, I'm good on time. Good. Uh, here's the thing with friendship. Friendship is not a tool. Friendship is not a means of apostolate. I'm, I'm going to use Father Joachim as an example. I'm going to become friends with Father Joachim because I want to I wanna convert him, right? I, I, want to, I want to convert him, so I'm going to be friends with him. Now, you know why I want to be friends with Father Joachim? Because he's awesome, right? And because I'm a friendly person. Be, have the virtue of friendliness. Friendliness is actually a virtue, right? Have the virtue of friendliness. Apostolate of friendship is that we are just good friends to our friends, and we know how to make friends with people. And be friendly. Not so that, like, you could just, yep, I, let's go to a campus ministry setting and, like, focus. And our missionaries don't do this. Most focused missionaries don't do this. But it could be a stereotype sometimes, like, hey, I'm going to be friends with you so that you could be in my Bible study. Right? No! <laughs> I'm, gonna be, I'm just going to be friends because I want to get to know you. Like, I actually want to form friendships with people. And I actually want to develop friends. I want to have friends. And I hope that I'm the type of person that people want to be friends with. And so, friendship is not a means, it's not a tool. We don't use friendship to try to increase our apostolate. But just be a friendly person, right? Be someone who's, who's affable. Be someone who is trustworthy. Live the virtues of friendship. Be a good friend to your friends, whether they're Catholic or not. Oh, that's another thing. Um, having... Friends who are not Catholic is a great thing, right? And particularly an apostolic thing. Having friends who, are, who don't agree with all the church's teaching, but still being able to just be friends with them. There are plenty of priests who don't agree on very basic things of how we should run a church and don't agree on some very fundamental principles about, about church life and the direction that the church should go. But we should be able to be friends with each other, right? There was a priest who... Um, who moved, he, he's an Opus Dei priest, and he moved to Chicago, and he went to a deanery meeting, and some priest other there is like, you're from Opus Dei. I hate Opus Dei. <laughs> and this priest is just like, well, that doesn't mean we can't be friends. <laughs> right? Like, it doesn't mean we can't be friends. So we, we totally disagree on some basic things with people around us. 
it doesn't mean we can't be friends. Um, there's a quote, if I would have been more prepared and looked it up ahead of time, from a book called Saints in the World, another very good book, Saints in the World, um, which is like, you know what? People that only want to have safe Catholic friends, that's not for apostolic souls. That's not for those who realize they're called to apostolate. Be, have many friends, and even have bad friends, right? Have friends that aren't good at being friends. Have friends that have different morals than we, we, we do. Don't let them, you know, change what we know to be good moral truth and doctrinal truth, but be able to be friendly with them, right? Be able to, to cultivate good friendships, to be friendly, to be reliable and dependable. So uh, Saints in the World is that book. It's very good. And he, he's kind of rough when he said He's just like, no, that, that's for children. That's not for apostolic souls. Uh, that's for children. You, being an apostle, go and have, have even bad friends, people that are bad at being friends. Now, um, the next step in our apostolate is that we need to give doctrine. That it's not enough to just pray and to um, be good at what we do and to be good friends with people. Um, we also need to, at a certain point, teach the Catholic faith, right? We need to be able to, having been formed, we need to be willing to teach. We need to, and, but, and here's a cool thing. I remember um, St. Thomas wrote a, a it's actually a question in his questions, De Veritate, um, uh, De Magistro, on the teacher, right? And here's the thing. It is a, I, I believe that um, learning is what's like, it's similar to health, right? Meaning that we have, I think, it, is it in, called an active potency? I'm going to say it's an active potency, and our Dominican father can, can correct me if I'm wrong later. But it's, it's an active potency, meaning that we, like, want to get there, right? So when we teach, when we give doctrine in the course of our apostle, when we help share the Catholic faith with people, we should realize that the intellect wants the truth and is doing the majority of the work. And that all we're doing is helping it along, right? If I, if I sliced my arm or my finger earlier today, right, and I had to go to urgent care and get stitches, um, is it the stitches that heal me? No, it's my body, right? My body wants to be healed. It, it knows how to heal itself. All the stitches do is help it along, right? No one would say the stitches cured me. I got these stitches at Go Health, and I'm cured. No, I didn't. The stitches kind of keep everything together so that the process of health could happen in my body. It clears away the obstacles, and it helps bring things closer together, but the connection is made by the body itself. Same with teaching, that we clear away the obstacles. People have all kinds of misconceptions about the church. And so what do we do? We're not the ones who make the connections for them. We help clear away the obstacles that they have. And we help bring the pieces a little bit closer together so that the connection can be made. But to actually learn, like, I can't learn something for you. Um, I can just help, um, help make connections so that you could learn it for yourself. And so that is what we do when we teach. We, we make those connections. Now, um, so we have to be willing to give apostles. Then uh, the next step in this is being creative. Um, you got to be willing to be creative when it comes to doing personal apostolate, right? So as we're spreading the gospel, as we're working with our friends, as we're doing these things, as we're sharing and giving doctrine, we need to be creative. And so it's not like, well, what does apostolate look like? Again, we can get back to, I'm 
I'm going to give a sermon because that's, that's what apostle. I'm going to distribute communion. Like, no. Um, what does it look like? There's all kinds of different forms of apostle, right? Just being, being a good friend is kind of a basic foundation. But there could be, and you could basically take most things that are good and noble and just add the word apostolate to the end of it uh, and say, like, yeah, that, that could be an apostolate, right? So the texting apostolate that I sometimes look in my text messages and I scroll way down, right, to people I haven't heard from in like a week or two or like a month or two, actually. Um, I got to scroll way down to get to the end of the day today because I'm super popular, Father Casey. Um, no, but you just scroll way down and you say like, oh, who haven't I talked to in a little while? Who haven't I texted in a while? Let me reach out to that person. Hey, how you doing? Uh, I just wanted to reach out and see how you're doing. The texting apostle, just find people low on your text message history um, and reach out to them and see how they're doing. How nice is it to just get a text from someone you haven't heard from in a while, uh, just reaching out, just to restart the conversation. So the texting apostle, the basketball apostle, right? Or any kind of pickup sports apostle. Let's do playing some kind of team sport and doing it in a pickup way. And again, this doesn't mean that like, we don't, we're gonna start a basketball league and we're gonna start and end every time with prayer. We're even gonna, we're gonna have a holy hour before we do it. Again, holy hours are good things. But no, just dang it, go play basketball with some people, right? Go play soccer. Just go do something. The, the fantasy football apostolate, right? I, I'm, I'm at the fantasy football apostolate, but let the other people win because I'm so bad at it. Um, but whatever. Like, it's these things, right? These little things where you just can, can do things to form community. We all want it. We all want to do these types of community. I just wish someone would invite me into a fantasy football league. Um, well, form an apostolate. Just reach out to people and start a league, right? I just wish someone would. I, I like playing basketball, but... I really can't find people to play with. Well, if we're friendly people and we have people that we're friends with, just start playing basketball, right? Just reach out to some people. Start playing soccer. Um, the, uh, this is one that I like. I just made it up this morning. The positive social media comment apostolate, right? That I'm going to like make good comment. I'm just going to say nice thing. Someone posts something, and rather than just hitting the thumbs up like or the heart love or, or whatever, you know, I'm going to like write a nice comment. Or like a message to that person. Like, thanks for sharing. Hey, I, I read that article. I really enjoyed it. The nice, so we get so many junk media, social media comments, right? And there could be so much negativity. Just say nice things, right? That's a good apostolate. Like, here's this person that's always kind of building me up on social media. The dinner table apostolate, right? You go out to dinner. You're, you're a fun person to have a meal with, um, to, to grab a beer with. You're, you're a fun person. You're a good person. It's, it's a good nice form of apostolate meal apostolate over meals is awesome to just uh and i remember reading a book uh, i think it's called whatever happened to friendship or something about friendship uh but with friend it's about friendship and it talks about like you know it's okay it's hard breakfast no one wants to get together for breakfast usually <laughs> and, and dinner time people are doing things with family or whatever but like lunch so like the lunchtime apostolate everyone has to eat lunch and a lot of times we could just want to eat it alone pack a sandwich load with mayo or something like that um but like have lunch with people just reach out, hey, you wanna, you wanna have lunch, right? The lunchtime apostolate is an, is an awesome thing there. Great, so we're coming to the end, and I think it's important, the end, what's the goal now of all of this? So we have that we have the need to do it, we have to be apostles, right? We have that we should uh, have the right attitude of being co-responsible with Christ. We have that we need to be prepared through formation. We understand the scope of the lay apostolate. We understand the how we do apostolate. Now what's the goal of apostolate? And the goal of all apostolate, of course, is that people end up worshiping us and not our Lord. No! Um, that'd be ridiculous. That'd be, you mess the whole, the goal of apostolate is more church groups. No. 
The goal of apostolate is that people become souls of prayer. That that's the goal of our apostolate. This is actually in soul of the apostolate. What should be the goal even of our church groups? That people become souls of prayer. That we want people to encounter our Lord. And then he takes it from there. All of our apostolate is just the warm-up act to what our Lord does in someone's life once they're talking to him. I remember when I started my first youth group, um, and I was, had spiritual direction that week. I'm like, I don't know what to do. I have no idea what to do. My spiritual director was like, hey, chill out. Just make them souls of prayer. And that's, that's, all, that's all you need. Get, people, get, get teenagers talking to our Lord, and you'll have the best youth group in, in the world. Because that's all you need. He does it all. Our Lord does everything. So all of our apostolate is ordered at people having relationship with our Lord. And we are just the warm. We're John the Baptist, right? In a very simple way. He must increase and we must decrease. We do all of this work, but ultimately, what's the goal? Relationship with Christ. And so that's what we, if we don't start out with the right goal in mind, if we don't know what the purpose of our apostolate is, if we want just numbers and success and all these things, church groups. <laughs> yeah, sorry, church groups aren't all bad. Um, but no, that it is, um, that the goal is prayer. Having people encounter our Lord, being in relationship with him. And so that's the goal of all of our apostolate. And so um, I hope tonight in these few minutes, uh, we've been able to talk a little bit and you, you know, about this lay apostolate. There are those who are working around the clock to snatch souls away from the good shepherd, away from our Lord. And so we have to work as well tirelessly. Not tomorrow, not next week, but today, now, in some creative way of apostolate, through our prayers, through our small sacrifices, through our friendships, through our creativity, all because Christ our Lord has entrusted us with his church. With, with him, we are co-responsible. And so we need to work immediately so that we can one day stand before our Lord and say, Master, you gave me all of these good gifts. And see, I've made you this many more. And our master will say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in these little things. Now enter into the joy of the kingdom. Thank you.